Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone who's out there, you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs or on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. Thank you guys, everyone, for listening in. I see our numbers are climbing. We had a stellar day the last couple of days, um, almost double downloads day per day as usual, which is kind of cool. I like that. Um, don't know how that happened. But the the podcast is doing well. I appreciate everyone who's listening in. I appreciate all the entrepreneurs who are coming on the show and the people that are asking questions and the people that are reaching out and all the humans that are understanding the positivity that's coming from and the impact that we're trying to make from the show. Obviously, we're still trying to get better at it, get the recording better, get the way the thing goes and doing an episode a day we're trying to make little tweaks every day and it's just not a lot because we are trying to record every day so it doesn't seem like a lot but if you probably go back and listen to the first ones there's probably great difference so i appreciate all that that being said i back with us sean herrera of honey's kitchens out of santa clarita california how are you doing today sean I'm doing well. How are you? I'm very good. Like you're the man of the Conca Burger, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's uh, the Concha Burger. Concha. Gosh, I did that last time, didn't I? Oh my gosh. So, let's talk about what that is real quick, and quickly give everyone a, like a brief version of how you came an entrepreneur. And if anyone wants to go back and listen, uh, Sean's first episode is on November eighth of two thousand twenty-two. So you can go back and listen to that episode, and I'll give everyone a number here. Uh, episode number here in a second as Sean sort of gives his brief bio and what is the Concha Burger? Did I get it right this so, time? Yeah, you got it right. Um, yeah, so the Concha Burger is a specialty burger that we make and I kind of came up with it on the couch one day. Uh, I saw uh, another sandwich being made with a Concha, which is a Mexican pastry uh, in, in Mexico, you call it pan dulce, which means sweet bread. Um, it's kind of a very important sweet bread to Mexicans. And it usually is just eaten by itself and dipped in some um, milk or some coffee or something like that. And it's just a white bread with a pink, uh, a colored fondant on top. And I chose to use the pink one um, just because it's bright and photographs well. And I put a burger inside, a, a double smash burger. Originally, I was trying to do like a 50-50 blend of beef and chorizo. Um, and then when I was talking to my chorizo vendor, he helped me with the idea of doing two different patties to stay versatile for people that don't really want chorizo. They could just go with beef. So right now it's set up with two smash patties, one of them chorizo, one of them beef. And then your classic American toppings, which are like lettuce, tomato, onion. Um, and it's just a sweet and savory delight. Um, and it starts off with, you know, the, the sweetness of the bread. And then it finishes off with the spiciness of the chorizo. And then just does this whirlwind in your mind while you're eating it. And it, it creates this addictive, uh, this addictive craving that you just, you can't stop until you finish the burger. And I... I really liked uh, the idea of this just because it, it photographs well and something kind of different. So I, I really wanted to market this and sell it because it'll reel people in because, you know, another taco on the street, which is, you know, mainly what I sell, um, it really wouldn't make me stand out any different. Um, and then how I got started as an entrepreneur, um, 
I hated my job. And one day I, I just decided, you know what, enough is enough. It wasn't just one day, but like I kind of had it built up that I wanted to do something in the, in the food industry. Um, and in February of last year, I, I went all in, um, in with the idea of starting a ghost kitchen and the ghost kitchen is still on its way. And it was just taking too long. So I got a food truck in the meantime to kind of keep momentum going and, and just get some experience on the grill, um, actually serving human beings in public. And I'm, gl I'm glad I did because it's been a crazy six months. I can't believe it's only been six months. Um, and I think that I'm kind of ready for the ghost kitchen now, which is going to be opening in the next month or two. And yeah, that's, that's how I kind of got started with with honey's kitchen <laughs> the the it's okay so we're talking it was three months when we did the first podcast now three months later like this is pretty cool and um is the ghost kitchen concept based on what you're already doing in the food truck or is yes, it a different concept um both so it will be the same concept same brand However, I'll be able to expand the menu a little bit because I'll have more appliances and bigger space in the kitchen. So I don't know what the actual square footage of a food truck is. I would say maybe 100. I don't know. Um, and my, my ghost kitchen will be 420 square feet. And it seems huge. For some kitchen, that's probably tiny for like a, a big restaurant. But if it's just kitchen space, I'm gonna, I mean, I think my hood alone where my cooking appliances are is about the size of my whole food truck. Um, but I've, I've been uh, talking to another um, like food entrepreneur and we're, we're discussing adding another virtual brand inside of the kitchen that won't necessarily be related to Honey's, but we'll be selling it out of the kitchen as well. And that'll be um, some Japanese souffle pancakes. That sounds good. What is that? It, it was. So it's um, just a pancake that in the batter, they mix in egg whites to kind of make like a meringue quality to it. Uh, I'm sure they add, I don't have the exact recipe, but um, I'm sure they might add something else, maybe some cream cheese or something like that. Because when I ate it, it had like a cream, a cream cheesy taste to it. Um, but the reason for the egg whites is they, they pour the batter on a griddle and then it just fluffs up, I would say a good six inches. So it's like a six inch tall, fluffy pancake. And they just come with a bunch of toppings, either sweet or savory. So they can, um, what I've seen is like some type of pork um, with nuts. Um, the one I had, it was just uh, Oreos and peanut butter and all that good stuff. And it was one of the best desserts I've had in a long time. And I just, I couldn't stop eating it. And the reason why I'm interested in it is I've never heard of it before. And there's nothing close like it with within a 50 mile radius of where I'm at in Los Angeles. So I, I think it'll be a good seller. That's pretty awesome. I've never heard of those. I'm going to have to look them up on YouTube, but I like that a lot. So Sean, who are some of your inspirations in life? Um, like who's inspired you, who's motivated you, some of the leaders that maybe have gotten you to this point, because you have a strong foundation, you have good core values, and you've obviously building a very strong business uh, very quickly. So do you, do you have any, like so, who's motivated um, you? Yeah. So personally in my personal life, um, there's, there's one person that I can instantly think of. Um, he's now actually, I don't think he was the last time we talked, but he's now my business partner. Uh, his name's Damian White and he owns a, uh, insurance agency. Um, and I, he's been a, 
good friend of mine for nearly 20 years. And he just, uh, he walks the walk and he talks the talk. And I've always, without thinking of a business partner, I've always like had this, like, I don't know, this, this thing in me where I wanted to impress him. I wanted to, you know, follow his footsteps. And, uh, he's, he's always been a good cheerleader of mine in a way, um, where you have certain people in your life where they might have advice for you, or they might, you know, you know, say the, Oh, I hope you do well, but I, I really felt it from him. And he always, he always like, he always, I could truly tell that he wants me to do well, but then he also holds me accountable. Um, and so one day when I was, I was kind of like down on myself. I, I, I wanted, I would always call him like once a week just to, he would kind of like pick me up out of my, out of my funk. Um, and then one day he had just mentioned like, are you interested in a business partner? And, and like almost immediately I just said, no, um, just out of pride. I thought, you know, I got all this. And then a few weeks later, I don't know, it was sitting in the back of my mind. I just, I just, uh, I hit him back up and I was like, you know what? Like, are you still interested in this? And he said, yeah, absolutely. Um, but he, he's like my biggest role model that, that I actually know. And then obviously there's some, you know, there's some celebrity role models that I follow that are in the entrepreneurial space. Like, you know, I think we were talking about him earlier, Joe Rogan, chef Roy Choi, um, salt Bay, all of the food entrepreneurs that like really hit it off and like created a cult following, um, Mr. Yang, all of those big guys that not only are, are great chefs, but, you know, good personalities and just interesting people. Those are the people that I really look up to because it, it's not just about business to me. It's about like cre creating myself. I'm creating myself along with creating this business brand. And so I think that these people, their, their brand is themselves. And so I look up to them as well. Very cool. Um, let's go, let's take this full circle really quickly. So what are the, well, how do I explain this? How did, let's look at your menu as a whole. We talked about the Concha burger. Um, what else is on your menu? So I actually recently just, uh, redid my menu, uh, for two reasons. One, I want, I, I'm a little bit better, a little bit better. I shouldn't say I fully understand it yet, but about, you know, food costs and what, uh, what I should be selling it for. Um, and so there was a few inaccuracies on my menu because at first I kind of just, when I came up with food prices, when I made my first menu, I kind of just compared to other restaurants that were similar to mine. What are they selling for? And I kind of knew basic math, but now I'm using a software for that. So I wanted to adjust some prices um, and I actually was able to less, uh, lessen prices on a, f on a few things because one of, my, one of the things that I really want is to cr create great value with my food and be able to feed working class people. I'm not trying to sell outrageously expensive food. I just want you know middle class people to be able to enjoy my food. I want anyone to be able to enjoy my food, really. Um, and then I also was getting a lot of requests for things that I could make, but weren't really on the menu and I wasn't really set up. So I didn't have prices for them. So like things like quesadillas and nachos um, and small little things that really weren't on my menu, I added to my menu. So that way I could just get more sales. And sure enough, when I did add to the menu, like literally the next day, that's all anyone was ordering. Um, 
So what's what my my main eats on my menu is you could choose your entree. So you could either get a burrito, a burrito bowl, loaded fries, or a two or three taco combo, and then you pick your uh, protein, just kind of like Chipotle, um, and then your toppings kind of they pretty much come predetermined on all of those entrees and then i have a, a few um different things outside of that menu we do quesadillas now we do nachos um, i added a breakfast menu so we have breakfast burritos uh, i have chilequiles which is a really uh important dish to me because it's one of my favorite dishes so i wanted i really wanted to sell that one um, and then I also was getting a lot of requests for just normal smash burgers. So I added, uh, the smash burger to the menu as well. And that was something that I was kind of just making for myself, um, kind of after hours when I was hungry after a shift. Um, and then a couple people kind of asked me what I was eating. I told them and then they wanted one. So now I put it on the menu and I sell it and it's been, it's been selling pretty well. So, and uh, I guess I could follow back on the reason why I uh, chose to not have the name ta or to not have the word tacos in my name was because I didn't want to be limited to being just a taco guy. I kind of, I always wanted to have the freedom of cooking whatever I wanted to. And that's another reason why mostly Mexican is in my brand, because if I, if something that I want to cook is not necessarily Mexican food, you know what, I don't want to be held back by the you know, the name of what my brand is. If, if we start going off brand too far, then people might question it. But if it's just the reason why I chose Honey's Kitchen was because I could serve whatever I want. And so I, I kind of have a good blend of Mexi Mexican food and American food. And then I start bringing in other flavors to both of those profiles. I love this. And I love the... Um... I love the ability to think outside the box, but also confine yourself to boundaries, if that makes sense. And this is why I'm going to say this to everyone, because a box means you're boxed in on all sides. Boundaries means that you can still flow in a direction. You just have boundaries on either side of you. And I think like saying, okay, I have Mexican food and that's tied to who I am. That's a boundary. But any of the creativity that happens going downstream within this space is all yours. You know, so I think that that's also the benefit of not calling it toxo tacos. It's allowed you to have a broader boundary uh, to be creative in. So, that's yeah, which, cool. which was important to me because I wanted, I want to enjoy cooking. I don't want to just, just serve food just to, because it sells. And so, by having a more freedom with my menu now i could have my items that sell and people could come to me for my staples but i could also play in the kitchen and, and have a monthly special where i get to make what i want um, and hopefully people get to enjoy it too because a lot of people get stuck or what i've noticed is in restaurateurs they get stuck one of two ways they either are trying to sell what sells and they don't care about anything other than making money or they're stuck on this is how I want to make it this is my food and I'm not changing it no matter what even if it's not selling and I, I feel like you should be a little more flexible with yourself and kind of do a little bit of both and so my monthly specials are more of my fun and freedom while I'm slowly refining and using the data of what what really sells to refine my menu um, because that's what I hear time and time again from all the pros is 
keep it simple, keep it small, very limited. Uh, if, you th- if you just think of in and out that's what they did and that's why they're so successful. So it's interesting that you say that because uh, one of the guys, Sam on Francesca that's on here with roll them up to Ketos, he came out of uh, in and out burger as well. Um, it's interesting to say that when you're modeling it after, but it is a really good model. Where do you see this going, Sean? Where do you see your business going? Like how, what's the direction you want it to go in? I mean, we talked a little bit about the ghost kitchens, but what ultimately from there, like let's talk bigger dreams, the ones you don't want to tell anyone about because it might be too embarrassed because they're so huge. Like <laughs> what does that look like? So <laughs> I I actually did say it out loud one time to uh, like a business consultant of mine and he kind of scoffed at me or laughed at me like it was impossible but i wanted 50 honey's brick and mortar locations throughout the u.s and he kind of (laughs) like like it's not going to happen and it might be a little more realistic now that i'm in the game that i realize that how hard that is still not impossible but really like my goal is to have here in santa clarita have my foundation set and then my my previous history, um, my previous job, I, I love traveling. And so I would always travel throughout the, U, uh, throughout the world, really. But in the U.S., I loved, you know, just experiencing new – in every state, there's a different culture. Um, and so my goal in the next five years is to pick a spot that I like uh, and expand there and kind of live there for a little while until I could get that location successful and then move on. So I got a little bit of nomad in me and I just, I don't want to, you know, travel everywhere or grow too quickly to where I'm, I'm spread too thinly. Um, but I want to start, start in California, go to a different city, get that successful and, and each time be a little bit more hands off um, to where eventually I'm just looking for locations. I have a team that helps build the foundation and then I can move on to another location and um, maybe, maybe even start looking at um, a barbecue brand because a barbecue is another one of my passions. I think this is pretty cool. So why, where did barbecue come from? And has it always been there? Something you grew up with? Like, are you doing it in your backyard or like we're talking like throw down barbecue, like, smoke pits like long smoking periods like tell me a little bit about that sean so um barbecue i mean it's i think every guy kind of can relate to barbecue because you're in charge of the grill not to be sexist or anything but usually you know everyone has a little bit of you know grilling in them that were like they have their own special techniques and i've i've always you know liked that and I'm, i'm always the guy at the friend's house that's on the grill um, and then in my last job, I was able to hit hit the major towns that had the good barbecue, you know, going to Texas, going to um, South Carolina, going to North Carolina, going to Tennessee. I went to, you know, I've done Memphis, I've done St. Louis and just seen like the different styles of barbecue and how simple the food is yet how how complicated the cooking processes are and how easily you can mess it up and you have to truly you have to truly love it like with a passion to wake up at three o'clock in the morning to turn on the fire so like my 
My idea is I want to do a North Carolina style uh, barbecue. I fell in love with North Carolina style food, specifically Asheville when I was there. It's probably my favorite foodie city in America. It's not too far from you out there in Nashville. And their style of barbecue is, depending on east or west side of North Carolina, is just a vinegar-based uh, whole hog pig. And I want to do that because in California, you know, Texas barbecue is popular. Um, the major barbecues are, and I don't yeah, see Memphis, much St. of Louis, Carolina. Yeah. yeah, I don't see much of Carolina style and... Um, I, I like to bring things that are unknown to, or yeah, things that are unknown to, to places that I'm familiar with. Um, and so then the name of the concept that I've come up with, I want to call it sweet Carolines. Very, very cool, man. I love this. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about, um, your core values and the things that like, what are the things that you really resonate in? And I know your business, you want to be quality food, but what are some of the core values that drive you and how do those core values translate into your business? Uh, morals, ethics, you know, motivations, like what are they? Those, those sort of sinker, uh, things that are in, I call them anchors, but what are the anchors that are in, in you that sort of anchor your character? Um, I would say that, Really, when it comes when it comes to my core values, I really just don't want to be a piece of shit when it comes to being a boss. And I, I really want my part of my French. I really don't want any of my employees to ever think like they dread going to work on any day because I know what that feels like. And it's really just not the life that anyone should live. And so I really... And it's harder said than done, but I really try to resonate with my employees so that way they know that I care about them and that I have their back in any way possible. And I I heard, I think it was a guy named Matt Kersher from Red Naps in Rochester. Um, I heard him say it one day is, you'll do well with your employees if you look at it like you work for them and they don't work for you. Um, so I just constantly remind myself because I don't necessarily have the best character. I don't necessarily have um, the best emotional states all the time. I, I'm a human being, but I, I constantly try to remind myself of who who the human being I want to be is and who I don't want to be. And what I've seen, example, I, I have a hundred examples of who I don't want to be. Um, and so I just remind myself of that in the moment of how, how I should handle each situation. And so I just try to remind myself of the values that I want. And then that, that helps, that helps me keep the values that I do have right now, because I'm kind of trying to redefine who I am with this business, because in the career that I had before I was, I became a certain person because of the corporate life and you, you, you start to mimic corporate structures and you start to become the person just because that's that's the path to success that you want and i i want to kind of redefine that for myself and put people first because i think we're in the we're in the people business we're not in the food business and when when it comes to customers that they they are important but the employees are also important too because the employees are the ones that are you know, make it happen. So that way the customers are happy and I really need to set it up that way. So that way 
if I'm not there one day or, you know, if I can step away one day, those values are instilled in the employees. Um, and just kind of stay true to that. It's harder. It's really hard to do and it's harder said than done, but I got to remind myself of who I want to be. Yeah. I think one of the things is this, I think one of the things that's really cool about what you said is we do go mimicking our leaders and we mimic our parents. And, um, for me, I even had like did was a business partners with my father on many, many things. And I mimicked a lot of the things because he was my father and I did a lot of things. And as I grew my own core values and own morals and became truer to myself, there was what I would call a fracture or a break between what he was expecting of me and what I expected of myself. And that went morally and ethically also. And I think that um, it's not necessarily right or wrong, but I think when we grow as humans and we grow our core values and we really focus on what we're going to stand for and what our legacy is going to be, even like 200 years from now, when we're not even, when we're dust, you know, it's, um, or buried in the ground, however that looks. Um, but my point being this is we have to be careful and everything we do and the choices we make and the careers we choose and the entrepreneurial businesses we choose and the people we surround ourselves, including, the team members or the employees we choose in our business have very, very large impact in major waves or if ripples, for lack of a better term, drop the stone in the lake and see the ripples. But every person you bring into your business and every decision you make has a ripple. And I'm not saying to be frozen by indecision. That's not what I mean. But I'm just saying be aware. And if you need to correct a decision and fix a ripple, it's okay to do that. But I think the other part is align your core values, understand who you are. And if it's not matching where you are, even if it is your own business, it's okay to stop, sell your business, maybe sell it to a partner and do something else or a better relationship or whatever it is. I'm not saying to do this blindly and not and blow up lives. That's not what I mean. What I mean is that you long term, if you continue down a path that's not good and it's not growing you and it's it's feeding the wrong parts of you because I too have character defaults, uh, defects, sorry, and character flaws and defects. And they can come out, they can come out whenever, no matter how much success there is, no matter how much little there is. And in fact, when my ego gets bigger, when there's more success, the character flaws tend to, you know, <laughs> want to come out even more, right? Yep. The ego wants to reign king. And those are some of the things as entrepreneurs we just have to be aware of. And those are the moments we lose our businesses or or whatever. I've watched it happen to my own father. You know, you get so big, you almost believe your own hype and you, the hype your yes men are telling you after working for you for 30 years. And it's a dangerous place to be. And it's what, what kings always went through. Eventually, they're kings for long enough and their yes men are their friends and they become envious and jealous. And it's just not good situations to be in. So... One of the things it is that keeps that in check is everyone being aligned by core values and not necessarily the things that can break things apart. So that's why I asked the questions. So I appreciate oh, yeah. that, Sean. Do you want to add anything in on that? Yeah. Um, it kind of hit home when you said that, you know, you, you know, that you had that relationship with your father because I've, I've done it myself or I've tried to start businesses with my dad. Um, I, I really want to call my dad at necessarily an entrepreneur for lack of better. I was, he's been self-employed my whole life. Um, but he's, 
I don't think he really is like running. He's a contractor. He's not really running businesses and running people. He's always just never wanted to work for somebody else. And he's not really growing a business, but he does have that. I guess you would call it an entrepreneur where he he creates his own money and his own income. Um, But it was, I think when I was like 19 or 20, um, we tried to start a construction service together and my values didn't align with his. And I was able to kind of get out of it quickly uh, before it turned into something that you can't get out of. Um, And we were able to, you know, salvage our relationship. We're stronger than ever now, but um, it, it really hit home that, you know, you're one that you talked about your dad and then, and then two that, you know, you, you, you found yourself mimicking him in certain ways. And I, I, you know, I get reminded often that I'm a spinning image of my father. And if we didn't look directly alike, then I would uh, question that. But um, I, I take what I, I like of uh, the qualities that he has. Um, and then I, I could also kind of use him as a mirror to see who I don't want to become because you know he didn't, he didn't set out to be the person he wanted to be. It just kind of happens over time. Um, and you got to use your, your parents as a, as a learning mechanism to make the next generation better. So that way I can make it better for my daughter. And I agree with you on this actually, and it should always be an improvement from generation to generation, but I do agree with you on the, um, my father was, he started a business eventually in food service partners, you know, with with me and another business partner and other business partners, like it was his thing. I just happened to be the more entrepreneurial, all the only entrepreneur out of the group, and everyone else had happened to be businessmen and grew up in a corporate world. And I think, like my grandfather, who's you know my dad's dad, he was entrepreneurial. He grew his own business. My mom was very entrepreneurial, but not quite as business savvy as my dad. And so I picked up a lot of those traits, just compounded down. And my grandfather on my mom's side was just a contractor of all trades. He could do anything. He could make money hustling anywhere, do trees, uh, pick apples, like just being a hustler and losing his parents when he was like 14 or 13 and just having to hustle his whole life for his own money. So there's a lot of that combination in me. But what I will say is there's a lot of negative patterns that came along with with things. And when we didn't understand Mm -hmm. psychological damage or or things like that that we just are more aware of now. Like I'm very, I'm much more aware of my world and my own brain and what I'm capable of doing and the damage that I'm capable of doing unintentionally than probably of my parents, for sure. Oh yeah, I think that's both. I think that's a societal thing. I think just as as a society, we we're a little more knowledgeable on me- mental mental health, I guess, or just. Um, what your environment really create creates your character, and I, I think that um, as a whole, we we know the human brain and the human psyche a little bit more in, in this generation. Yeah, and I think that um, I think that's true. I think we're starting to understand it and the impact on it. Maybe we've overdone it in some ways, but underdone it in others. And yes, yes. And I think that that's true. But one of the things is, is I, I, I find this that, you know, I did do the business and I found that 
the same thing. I look exactly like my father. I was born on the same day as my father. Everyone my whole life told me that the reason that we argue all the time is because we're really the same. Oh, it's not even close <laughs> to the truth. Okay. It's like we are two totally different people. And my dad believed we were the same because of all those things, like really believed in his heart that I was like his son and a spitting image of him and blah, blah, blah. And I just wasn't. Like, uh, while I look like him, my insides were much different. Even my outside is a lot different now because I worked on myself differently than he did. And at my age, I don't have a dad body. I don't have like that. And even with like recent crazy 90 days of my life right now, like I'm in losing a ton of weight and trying to get back into exercise routines with this weird schedule of this podcast that is just like no consistency, which is not good for someone like me. Um, I'm I agree still with that one. Um, yeah. so go ahead. Sean. Yeah. So I actually, I actually on that last little note, I, I did like the opposite of that. So I, I made a promise. So I made a promise to myself about, I don't know, three or four weeks ago that I'm going to st- stop messing around. I'm going to really get down to business. And so I stopped working out because I was, you know, it, it's always been a thing of mine. Like I, I have to get a, a work, some type of workout in every day, whether I'm just going, you know, doing 20 minutes of, of something or just stretching or something. I have to have some type of healthy movement because my body just breaks down if I don't. But what I was finding is like, I was looking forward to that and then kind of avoiding certain tasks that I had to get done throughout my day. That was you know, attached to honeys. And so one of the things I did, I open now I'm open seven days a week instead of five. And I'm also making sure that I get all of my tasks done for the business before I could give myself time to go work out. Um, because before I was putting workout as the priority. Um, and I, I felt like, I just felt like if I was to fail, then I would blame it on X, Y, and Z or whatever. And working out could have been one of them. So I, I, I've last few weeks, I haven't gotten a single workout in, but I do feel the anxiety rising, you know, daily. And so I'm going to have to try to re rethink this one and maybe like get a, a 30 minute workout in a day, but like kind of re re uh, rethink how I get that in maybe a uh, start a taquero workout on the on the food truck itself or something just to get it in I know that's where I like start carrying like kettlebells with you or like a boat at stall pull up bar on the truck and a uh, quick like <laughs> there throw some of those in there but I mean that's I kind of carry stuff around with me as I go and I walk everywhere in Nashville so I really threw off my body a little bit this is interesting that you said that and I haven't been working out as much as I could and weirdly without doing anything my knee is like killing me all the time and I'm like my body's just out of balance and the reason it's out of balance is because my schedule's all over the place and I'm finally getting a handle on it but it's also that I screwed up my workout schedule so bad that I was missing like days at a time and eventually like you know, you miss like 15 days or 20 days here. All of a sudden you're like, oh shit, like things are starting to get out of whack. My anxiety is going ballistic. I'm feeling out of balance. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling so tense that I'm going to injure myself just by walking, which is probably what happened. I was so tense that day. And I just stepped sideways on the sidewalk and I'm like, oh, my knee hurts a little bit. Nothing like dead, but enough where I'm still walking where I'm like, God, why is my knee still so sore? And it's just the stability in the muscles around my knee were weak at that time because I hadn't been working out, you know? So it's like, yeah. damn it. But 
I hear you and I agree with you. Sometimes you do have to hit the pause on certain things to make room for others and get them into your life and then try to go back and bring that habit back into your life. But it's good if it's already been a habit. It's a lot easier to bring back in. So, yeah, and it's a it's an important thing that I have that I have to keep there. But, um, yeah, it's kind of it kind of goes to that the saying that I. I use for multiple different reasons, but like you got to put your oxygen masks on before you go and you put someone else's oxygen masks on. And to me, like working out is kind of putting that oxygen mask on. So that way the rest of my day, the rest of my tasks and my, just my well being is better. Even if it, it feels like you're kind of taking away from yourself or whatnot, like it's, it's, uh, something that I'm doing right now, but I definitely have to get back to it because I, I could feel m- myself running out of that oxygen. Yeah, and it's interesting. I will tell you this also, and I'm going to just pour my poor father or whatever. But um, like there were times like I can't I know why my dad was such a for lack of a better term ogre at times. Like if you're not working out on a regular basis or getting exercise, I don't know how you function. And people that are in relationships that lose the magic and all this, a lot of it is not even the attraction over working out. That's what people are like, "Oh, if I work out, I'll be attracted to you. Why don't you look better?" That you're missing the point. It's this inside thing that happens when you have discipline and you're working out and confidence you're just not an ogre. And I think when couples find this and find this balance, they take it for granted. Because when you step outside of that relationship or you have another one and you don't have this balance anymore, this exercise partner or this person that helps uh, do life with you or exercise with you and keeps on that level with you, it really throws you off. It's something I'm experiencing right now. I don't have any new partners. It's by myself. But because Deborah was so the, and I'll say her name just because she was the original, one of the original co-hosts on the show, is like that we were always in balance and exercise wise. And I never picked up because that put my food in balance, that put my day in balance. I had to make time for exercise. So I was always more intentional of doing everything effectively and efficiently in my businesses. And I'd still be like, God, I didn't have enough time. Maybe I shouldn't work out. But the reality is, is the exercise was the mass that provided the structure that gave me the discipline, that gave me the timetables that I needed to get the things done. I was actually getting more things done in less time than if I hadn't done the exercise because I wasn't under the time crunch or feeling the want. Because to me, exercise is the reward. Like I love exercise. Like if I could have just been an athlete and taught him 101 years old, that would have been like life's goal right there. But it wasn't. So that didn't, that's not the way the cookie crumbled, pun intended. And, um, you know, cause I am crumbling slowly, even with all the exercise, but, um, (laughs) we all are. Yeah. So, I don't remember all the other questions I had and we've gone on some, some commentary stuff, but if there's anything you could share with anyone, Sean, about your journey or about you that you would want to make impact or tell people about or anything in your business maybe that is something you wish you knew or you could pass on, is, is there anything like that today? I mean, that, that you would wish you would have um, known a while ago maybe? Yeah, I think one of the questions or things that relate to that would be like if I was to go back six months ago to when before I started or maybe even a year ago, like what are the five things I would tell myself? Um, one, one of them would be like, this is a long game. This isn't for X amount of dollars. This isn't for my happiness right now. This isn't for anything other than my life, my lifetime fulfillment of making myself better and happier. 
And then another thing that I would tell myself six months ago is pay closer attention to finances. Don't go frivolously thinking like, oh, I'm going to start a business and just expect success. Because you're thinking like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to sell this. And okay, we're going to be fine. I would have been a little bit more frugal um, had I started over. Um, and then the big one is really don't don't listen to anyone outside of your space or field that's not already successful. Because once you start a business, everyone and their mother has a business idea or has an opinion about how you should start or run your business. When it comes down to any detail, just anything about it, they're going to have their two cents. And they're just being friendly. They're just being, you know, conversationalist, but really really what's happening is it's getting into your head and it's making you second guess what your core idea was and what your, your um, main, main drive was. And so really stick with, stick with your guns. And if you are going to listen to anybody's advice, listen to somebody who's an expert in the field already, listen to somebody who's successful and who, who knows what you're going through and can tell you like, Hey, okay, I get, I get where you're, thinking this but you're going to run into these issues so keep this in mind as well um because you know your uncle joe who has had a mediocre job his own life who's never really got up off the couch and done something for himself his advice really doesn't matter to you and it might get in your way and you might think because you love uncle joe that you know his advice matters and it might subconsciously get in there um and, and don't let it and then another thing it's kind of niche specific. Um, but for your advertising, um, for, for anything on any type of business, especially food business, I would go start everything organic advertisement first until you get some momentum going and you really start making resident revenue before you start with paid advertisement. And not only will it save you money, it'll force you to learn what advertisement is and what marketing really is. Because you're going through the motion yourself, you start learning what works, what doesn't work, um, and you got to you got to do the homework, you got to do the footwork, and it's one of the it's one of the tasks that it's most easily procrastinated. But really, just get down to the nitty gritty, um, start to do you know your your small campaigns on Instagram, on Facebook, on TikTok. I mean, all the tools are out there nowadays to where you don't need to pay anybody to do anything at first. Once you're starting to grow, once you're too busy, or you always tell yourself you're too busy, but once you're legitimately too busy, um, then you can start hiring professionals to do your stuff. Or, or even if you're still doing it yourself, paying for those Instagram ads or those Facebook ads and start putting money into it. Because the way there's a structure now is you kind of need to do both. Um, but, but learn how to do the organic version first. So that way you could, you could, get the more bang for your buck for when you are paying for that paid advertisement. Otherwise you're just throwing money frivolously everywhere and hoping that it gets you business when really you should have a set goal and a set return on investment. And yeah. So one of the things that I really want to touch on that you said, and I have a rule about this, actually, it's interesting that you brought this up. I've never talked about this, not on the Centurion leadership Italian and not on here. Um, but I have, like I've seen a lot of success in this and, you know, 24 years of actually being successful business until we did, we split up the companies and went through what we went through. This is the thing that made it successful. This is how we made sure there's food on the table every year for all the employees and college tuitions were paid and all of those things is by this rule. It's interesting because 
I have three levels of ideas as an entrepreneur. And like I had, and I just talked about, I had business partners that were businessmen and women, but not entrepreneurs. And this is a very big thing. This is an entrepreneur podcast. Entrepreneurs go spreading positivity. They don't just chase the money. Businessmen try to make profit. Businessmen try to give money back to their investors. Businessmen are only focused on the short-term things. Entrepreneurs are focused on long, 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 long-term impact and positivity and growing the people around them. There is a difference there. And so let me talk about the three levels of how I let ideas in and ventures and all of that. So when someone's outside the circle, they're not in the food space, they're just a person with an idea, that's what I call the out unit, okay? I have an on unit, an in unit, and an out unit. I'll repeat it again. I have on, in, out. Those are three levels. Out is like that idea came from nowhere. And even if it was a good idea, the amount of time that I'm going to have to vet it because it came from such an amateur perspective, it's not worth my time. Okay, so those are always out into my business ideas. Like people, like you're outside of it. You're not even a vendor. Like, no. Okay, then there's in the business. This happens to be the clients, the customers, the employees, all of that. They can give us ideas inside the business, but those are usually ideas how they affect the internal workings of my business, the operations, the the efficiencies, the flows, the whatever. If all of a sudden someone came to me and said something that was a brilliant idea that was for working on the business, like a new whatever, a flavor, it usually was in the business first, then I have to go work on the business to get that flavor outside. So in food in particular, I find if someone's inside the circle, it's worth listening to. It's at least worth listening and vetting it and hearing it one time, okay? On my business, now this is where big ideas come in and these people are usually outside your business. Sometimes they're the top executives. And if they're really visionary leaders inside your company or entrepreneurs, they might be these ons. But ons are usually coaches, mentors, entrepreneurs that are in your same space that have your similar mindset and core values that we talked about earlier. And so those type of opinions to work on your business are great. If they're telling you how to go make spaghetti sauce, but they're uh, marketing and advertising entrepreneur, probably not going to let the idea a person that should be working on my business give me an idea about in my business okay if that makes sense Mm -hmm. to everyone yeah and so if i'm going to need marketing help he's the guy to go to to get ideas to work on on my business and so again i'm going to repeat that out is they're not even close to related to it like get out like no way not even in i don't care even if it's a good idea and someone else didn't i'm like oh that could have done i he, that guy did say it's not even worth it i don't even regret it because it's not worth the time i know even if i tried it it would have disrupt my life to make it successful so if someone who did find it successful had the time to do it there's a lot of that in is like that internal circle your clients your customers your vendors you're the people that are inside your business, uh, your team members, your executives, your managers, whatever, all those ideas in one. And then on is like fellow entrepreneurs, coaches, mentors, uh, especially in the food space, but also outside the food space. Like I said, like you should have a lawyer that's familiar with the food world, but it's also a lawyer and familiar with law and like a CPA that's also a CPA, but he's also familiar with food. Because food costing and tracking is a very difficult thing. And if anyone thinks about this, there's probably just as much ingredients that goes into a food truck restaurant as all the parts that go into an iPhone. 
So it's like keeping yeah. track of all that times menus times multiple items. So it's like yep. one of the things that everyone always asks, like if they want, like Justin, you always talk about the soft costs. Oh, hard costs. Here they are. You want a CPA? Have food experience. You want a lawyer? Have food experience. You want a real estate person to help you do real estate and find commercial real estate? Better have food experience. Food service experience, I don't care. If they're a commercial real estate agent, they should have it. You should have someone that can specify in those areas. Food trucks, make sure it's a good person that's in the food truck business. Don't just Joe Schmo who can build food trucks in his backyard, or maybe he is really good, but get a reference. You know, you want the best of the best and you want them to relate back to your field, but have outside experience to work on your business. That's why I love marketing advertising firms, especially if they, they're in food and other things, meaning they're using other things and food and they have a diverse knowledge. Same with an attorney. It may be a food attorney or have food experience, but they're in a law firm with other business attorneys. So just as an example, or even the entrepreneur that started the law firm, that's even better. So, um, yeah, well said. Well said. I I, uh, I was silent that whole time because I was taking all that in. I felt like I learned something there. Yeah, that's a big one for me, and it made things. It made my decisions easier, and it like that's why like I, everyone talks about hacks. Hacks are the quickest way to make decisions that don't waste your time, which is your most valuable resource as the entrepreneur. That's it. Like your time is your yeah. most valuable resource. Don't cut corners, learn your lessons, but do it effectively. If I'm gonna go learn something, I'm not gonna go take my cell phone with me and be distracted by social media while I'm supposed to be learning something. That's not an efficient use of my time. Even though they're like, oh, multitask, I'm doing two things at once. No, you aren't, you're trashing Impossible. two things, period. Yep. Impossible, yep. So, um, cool, Sean, thank you very much for being on the show again. I appreciate you. No, thank you for having me. It was a it was an honor to be asked to come on again. That means I didn't mess it up too much yeah. the first time, and I'm glad to see that you're growing rapidly. Um, I'm hoping that one day you're going to be so famous, and I'm like, hey, I I knew that guy. I talked to that guy before he before we were on uh, Netflix or before we were on HBO. I'm like, I I really wish the best for you, and I hope that you continue on the path that you're on. Because it's a it's a good path that you're on. Yeah, I'm gonna come find you one of these days because I want to try one of these. Uh, I'm not gonna say it right again. Concha burgers. The concha. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I really want to do that. So I appreciate. It. Will you tell everyone they can find you online and on social media? Yeah, you can find us on honeyskitchen.com. Um, our Instagram is at honeyskitchens with an S at the end. Uh, same for. Uh, TikTok. I know that we talked last time about, I know I got to get into TikTok. I finally got onto there a couple weeks ago. And so I know you've been trying to do an episode a day. My goal for myself is to do a video a day on TikTok to just learn everything, get the momentum going, because that was one of those things that I was saying I was going to do for a long time. So now I'm, I'm doing it. So I suggest the same for yourself. Um, at Honey's Kitchens there as well. And then on Facebook, it's Honey Kitchen SCV. Awesome. Thank you, man. And thank you for everyone for listening in. Uh, if you like what you hear on the podcast, please share it. If you're a fan of Honey's Kitchens, please give a high review and a good uh, five stars. That helps. It helps the algorithms. It helps the episodes get out there. It helps it get in front of entrepreneurs that may be impacted and influence. You never know when you could save a life or might influence someone to start a business that may actually help the world in great ways. You never know. So share it. Yes. Put it out there. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. We're trying to improve here, too. This is a project. That's where we started it four years ago to improve 
And I want to thank you. Uh, thank everyone in the audience for listening in. I love you guys. Thank you for sharing it. Thank you for always supporting it all these years. It's been amazing. And the downloads keep going up. I love it. And lastly, I just want to say thank you to those who actually did believe in the podcast in the beginning and over the years and the ones that have supported me and have encouraged me because there have been very few um, and it's not been the people you would think a lot of people supported at the beginning and then trashed it along the way and still four years into it, we're still going. And I mean, I can't believe the amount of people that I've even employed or um, were team members that have have not liked that I did this and thought it was, you know, it's just a weird thing. People don't like it when you give to other people and not them when they're used to you giving to them. And that's a hard thing. (laughs) And so, um, you know, and that's part of being an entrepreneur. Also, when you grow your businesses and you grow to do other things, people that have been with you a long time start getting unstable because they, you're, they're used to you giving to them and focusing on them and growing them. And then all of a sudden you're growing someone else and growing another business and not focusing on them. And so you got to be very careful to make sure you're instilling in them the ability to grow others and find purpose in that and not purpose in growing from you. And I've made that mistake myself. That's why I bring it up. So I don't know what my point was, but thank you guys for listening in. If you want to find us, you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts or at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. There is a te- the phone number you can text on there if you want to be on the show. We can talk it through, see if you're a good candidate. I know some people have reached out. I like that everyone's coming in. I've had some people that I didn't even reach out to reach out to me. So that's kind of cool. Yes, I'd love um, for you guys to be on the podcast. So reach out and DM us if you have questions for the entrepreneurs that are on the show. And I love you guys, and we're out.